Well, open your Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Chapter number 14. This is the only uh, time that we've gone outside of chapter 13, really, in this series because everything is centered on what has been said in chapter number 13. But the first three words of chapter 14 is our text for this evening, and it is the... Uh, it is the uh, accumulation of all that we've been talking about and hopefully a challenge as we, as we uh, look ahead. Follow after charity. Another way of saying that is to allow love to lead you. So many times we don't let that happen, do we? We come down to the end of this series, and I was just thinking this afternoon, I hope the end is actually a beginning. And if we've been successful in any way whatsoever, having come to the end of this, it'll be a beginning in the manner in which we live. In our last message, we uh, talked about the preeminence of love and as I said, there's no way to overestimate the importance of it. And in chapter 13, before that, we saw love being pictured. Now we see love personified. By that, I mean here that love is pictured as a person that we are to follow. You could title the message, chasing charity or longing for love, but uh, it has to do with us pursuing love, following love, being led by love. In teaching uh, Philippians chapter number four, and uh, let, me, let me just go there and read that because there might be some that are not familiar with it and you, you ought to be. This is one of those passages that we ought to have on our mind at all times. Paul made a remarkable statement in verse 4 where he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Think about that. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's on the bad days and the good days. That's when someone has done something nice and when someone has done something wrong. There's never a time that we shouldn't be rejoicing in the Lord. And, and I, I just suspect that a lot of us fail at that. And then, th th then he turns around and says in verse 6, Be careful for nothing. That's another way to say, don't worry about anything. Well, I know a lot of us fail at that. So how in the world is it that we can rejoice uh, all of the time and not worry about anything well, notice what he says in verse number 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now listen carefully to what he says. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. That's quite a promise. 
I'm reading that for a reason because I want you to notice that in the things that he mentions here that we are to think upon, the things he says that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, all of that can be summed up in the person of Christ. That, that's a, that is a picture of Christ. Think on him. I hope whenever when I when I'm dead and gone and uh, and maybe you know you some of you think back to while I was here and I, I remember a woman saying years ago about it was a pastor before I got there and she said I got so irritated just preaching he just kept repeating himself he kept saying things the same things over and over and over and I I'm not sure what all she meant by that but at this stage of my life I. I kind of think I know what she meant, but I also understand probably why he did what he did. There were certain things he wanted to emphasize and wanted to make sure nobody missed it. Well, I'm saying all of that to say this. I hope when I'm dead and gone that folks will remember certain verses that, you know, he just seemed like he couldn't get through a sermon without making mention of this verse or that verse or another verse. And one of them happens to be in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2 where it says, Looking unto Jesus. I, 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 don't, I don't know how I could ever overuse that phrase. If I worked that some way in every sermon I preached, I think it would be appropriate. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So I, I, I want you to do exactly the same whenever we look at this phrase, follow after charity. We see there in Philippians all of those qualities that are found in Christ and we are commanded to keep looking unto Jesus. And here he says, follow after charity. In other words, love is personified. It's pictured as being a person. Follow this person and clearly that person is Christ. And remember, he is the full expression of love. And, 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 and if you doubt that, let's just go back and, uh, and, and look at the picture of love that we've been talking about here. There are 15 things. I'm going to take the time to, to do a little review. Just I'm going to just mention it. I won't camp out anywhere. But notice these 15 snapshots of love. We see it's patience. It suffereth long. We see it's practice. It's kind. We see its purity, it envieth not, its peacefulness, it vaunteth not itself, its puffelessness, it's not puffed up, its politeness, it doth not behave itself unseemly. We see its preference, it seeketh not her own. We see its provokelessness, it's not easily provoked, its preclusion, it thinketh no evil. We see its propriety, it rejoiceth not in iniquity. We see its pleasure, it rejoiceth in the truth. We see its passivity. It says it beareth all things. We see its perspective. It believeth all things. We see its prospect. It hopeth all things. We see its persistence. It endureth all things. Now, I want you to change that word its. It's this and it's that in regards to love. I want you to change that word its to his. And you go back through that list again saying that 
we see his patience, his practice, his purity. Because in all of this, we see a perfect picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1 and verse number 3 talks about he is the brightness of the Father's glory, the express image of his person. Remember now, God is love and Christ is the express image of his person. Are you with me? If God is love and He's the express image of His person, in other words, He is the perfect reflection of who God is and God is love, then we've got to say all of this is nothing more than a picture of Jesus. And we're supposed to be looking unto Jesus. I remind you again of what Paul said there as he ended chapter 12. He said, I want to show you a more excellent way. And, and, and that developed, that one thought developed into the entire chapter. That more excellent way was what? Well, the more excellent way is what? Love. But the more excellent way is the more excellent one. That's what the whole point is. He's the one that we are to follow. Follow after charity. And I'm not at all out of place when I say that Paul is saying, follow after Christ. We ought to follow after Him obediently. You know, a lot of times we do, we're guilty of partial obedience. And partial obedience is total disobedience. We ought to obey whatever he says, and there'll be times that maybe that won't be the popular thing to do. It won't be the convenient thing to do. But we ought to obey what he says. That's what following the Lord is, to obey him. Obediently, we ought to obey him fully, not just in part. You remember whenever the Lord sent Saul out uh, against the enemy, and he said, I want you to go out there and I want you to just, you know, wipe out everything in your path and don't take anything. Just go out and kill everybody. Well, you know, they go out and he, he comes back and the prophet inquires as to their success. And he says, oh, yeah, we've got all of the all of it done. And the prophet said, well, what is the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen? What are, what are those animals? I, oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we got to thinking that it might be a good thing to save some of them and we'd, we'd bring back, we're going to sacrifice them up to the Lord. And then turn around, and lo and behold, he didn't even kill the king. Now, as a result of that, he ultimately loses his kingdom. Now, here was a man that stood head and shoulders above everyone else, a man who was more qualified, you know, in some ways than anybody to be the king over Israel. And yet, in that moment, he disqualified himself from service for God because he did not obey God fully. So whenever he says, follow charity, follow Christ, obey Him, Obediently, fully, faithfully. You know, I, I sometimes think about those that have, you know, been here for a lot of years. And when I say that, I mean whether it was at Northway or whether it was at Lakeland or uh, some of you that have come in from other churches, then, you know, you had a long history at 
those churches. So I'm not just talking about what's happened at Lakeway. I'm talking about the whole of your Christian life. And, and, and boy, I'm telling you, it's something so admirable about those people that have been faithful year after year after year. I mean, they're there Sunday morning, they're there Sunday night, they're there Wednesday night. They're always ready to lend a helping hand. Let me tell you, faithfulness is the one thing above everything else that God rewards. That's the basis of our rewards. It's not how necessarily how well we do things, but whether or not we are faithful. And as I often say, faithfulness requires different things of different people. God doesn't expect the same thing out of, out of me that he might expect out of you. There are some people that have limitations. They can't do what you can do. God doesn't want them to do that. God just wants them to be faithful. Do what you can where you are. That's what faithfulness is all about. So if we're going to follow after him, it means we're going to have to obey him, obey him fully and faithfully, and we ought to obey him immediately. Amen. You know, so many times uh, we just keep putting off till you know, someday, yeah, I, I know, and, and you know, I've, I've got to confess, the older I get, the the worse I get about some things when it comes to procrastination. Now, they would probably tell you about everything, not just some things, and she'd probably be more right than I am, but I'm trying to make myself look good, and so, I, you know, I'm trying to save face a little bit. But it gets real easy to procrastinate. But, you know, with some people, uh, you know, it's one thing to put something off till the last minute when it has to do with, filling the car up with gas or whatever else it might be. But boy, it's another thing. When God has spoken loudly and clearly, this is what I expect you to do, God wants us to do it then. I, I talk to people about, you know, the matter of baptism, and they, you know, they say, well, yeah, I, I, I know that's what the Bible says. I know that I need to, and I, I'm going to get baptized someday. Why, why not now? Why would, why would you wait? If you ought to ever do what God wants you to do, you ought to do it as soon as you possibly can. It ought to be immediately. And listen, let me throw this in. Whenever, we, whenever we're following Christ, which requires us to obey Him fully and completely and so forth, it ought to be cheerfully. It ought to be cheerfully. Uh, the Lord loveth the cheerful giver. And whether it has that has to do with the you know the giving of, of of money or whether it has to do with the giving of our service or whatever it is, God is thrilled about the fact that whatever we do, we do it cheerfully, uh, as unto the Lord and not unto man. That that's, gets pretty tough sometimes, don't you think? Cheerfully. And we need, we need to remember that. So when we talk about following after love, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about following the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in, in regards to all of these different things. And it's only as we follow Christ that it can actually be said that we are pursuing love. And, and what could we pursue that would be of any greater value than that. You and I both know a lot of people that are living their life in pursuit of things that have absolutely no real value whatsoever. I mean, they, they invest everything, their time, their talent, their all of their energy, and everything is invested in the pursuit of blank, whatever it might be. 
but it's of no eternal value whatsoever. It doesn't aid in their spiritual growth. It doesn't enhance their testimony. It doesn't bring souls to Christ. It doesn't edify the church. It doesn't please the Lord. It's not necessarily something that is obviously sinful, but it's something that is a hindrance to what they ought to be doing. And remember this, as Paul said, without love, we're a big fat zero. In other words, we are spiritually bankrupt. You know, it'd be better for us to lose every penny that we have in the bank. I mean to be bankrupt and not able to pay our bills. That would be better than for us to be spiritually bankrupt when it comes to this matter of love because we are missing the most important thing. And all of us need to ask ourselves tonight, what is most important to me? There wasn't any doubt about the Apostle Paul he made it very clear what was important to him. And here's one of those other verses. When I'm dead and gone, I hope that, I hope that you'll remember me quoting this over and over. And that's Philippians 1.21 where he says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But to live, he says, is Christ. So nobody had to wonder about who Paul was following, what he was pursuing, what he wanted out of life. He just summed it all up in that one brief statement. Now notice he said, for to me, might not be that way for somebody else, but for, but to me to live is Christ. That ought to be the goal of every single Christian. Living for Christ by living like Christ. That ought to be our goal. And uh, if we call ourselves a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what we ought to be striving for. That's what we ought to be pursuing. Growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Following the one who is called faithful and true. And that's the key to our faithfulness. Looking unto Jesus, and in Hebrews 12, 3, consider him, consider him. And that's kind of like saying, keep him in your focus at all times. Now, as I said this morning, you know, whenever we think about this, and, and tonight thinking about the pursuit of love, remember, all of this requires divine aid for us. It's something that we can't do on our own. We can't be like Christ without Christ. Let me give you another one of those verses I hope you never forget, Philippians 4.13. Because as a young Christian, this verse, I think, helped me more than any other verse in the Bible. For I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I had to, you know, convince myself that, I mean, I believed the Bible, I knew that was true, but... But boy, I tell you, whenever it seems like the deck is stacked against you, all of the odds are against you, and, 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 and you feel that you're so weak that, that there's a situation you can't possibly cope with, and yet you have the sure testimony of God's Word, I can. You don't feel like you can, but if you're a believer, you know, I can do what? All things through Christ was strengthened with me. Then in chapter 2 in verse 13 of Philippians, he makes this statement. He says, For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God's working in you. 
You might feel overwhelmed at the moment and think, I'm just not sure how I can possibly ever get through this difficulty in my life. And listen, that difficulty might not have anything to do with what somebody else did. It's not something someone did to you. The difficulty might have to do with your own life, your own faults, your own failures. And you're wondering, you know, that's got to be the most frustrating thing in all of the world to be where Paul was in Romans chapter number 7 where he's talking about the things that I would do, I don't do, and the things I wouldn't do, I find myself doing. And that frustration of, you know, the fighting against the flesh all of the time and, and feeling like you're defeated. But thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory, he said. There is victory because we can do all things through Christ. How, how can we do that? Well, God's working in us. He's working in us to will. He gives us that, the disposition, the desire to do it. But he also gives us that dynamic power that enables us to do what he requires. When Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus there in chapter 1, and he's speaking about the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and how it ought to impact us, and he reminded the, the Ephesians as to the resurrection of Christ and that he was raised, what? By the Spirit. The Spirit of God raised him up. And then he tells us it's that, that same Spirit that is working in you. The Holy Spirit is active in our heart. If we're a child of God, you can't get away from that. He's at work in your heart, and, and, and the whole thing is he's at work in order that he might conform you to the likeness of Christ. Second Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 18 where he talks about, you know, uh, you know, now we see in a glass darkly, and that is we got this distorted picture, but he talks about the fact that it's the Spirit of God that is working in us and enables us to go from glory to glory to glory. I mean, we just, we're able to keep going and keep growing as a result of the Spirit of God that is at work in us. So, listen, our success doesn't depend upon our ability. And as I said this morning, it doesn't depend altogether upon our will. Now, certainly, certainly our will has to be involved in this, Right? We, we've got to, be, got to be a willing vessel, but it takes more than the willingness. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Follow after charity. That is, pursue Christ. Galatians chapter 5, I mentioned this morning the fruit of the Spirit. All nine of those graces. And again, you look at all nine of those different graces that he, that he mentions here. Notice he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And you look at all of those and you say, well, my, that's another picture of Christ. All of that is a, an expression of who Christ is. I'm going to wrap all of this up with just a couple of brief statements. If some are, are following after love, like the, you know, like, the, like they claim they are, then they've taken a wrong turn somewhere because they're off course. Uh, 
me say that again. If some are following after love like they claim they are, that's the important phrase right there because you you could take a survey in all of the churches and ask people, do you profess to be a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. Are you really making a, you know, a, 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 a sincere, honest effort to be a more loving person? Well, just about everybody would say so. I mean, who who would just come right out and say, no, I'm not, I'm not into that love stuff. I, I just really don't care whether I love anybody any more than I already do or not. I, it's not, no, no. We, we would all say, yes, that we are pursuing love, but their actions and their attitude tells us that they are off course somewhere. So, you know, what, what we claim to be doing is going to be evidenced by the manner in which we're living. And the truth be known, most people are actually pursuing something that is of far less value than love. And as we often say, they're majoring on minors. You know, I don't think anybody believes any more strongly than I do that we ought to, as as Jude said, earnestly contend for the faith. And when he's talking about faith there, he's talking about the body of truth that we believe as Christians. He's talking about the Word of God, earnestly contend for it, stand up for the truth. Uh, truth is so very important. I, uh, but, listen, that's, sadly, that's all some people care about. Some of our old rugged, two-fisted, fundamental Baptist preachers of years ago, well, I... I was one. I know what I'm talking about. And for some, the only thing important is whether I'm right or not. It's all about getting it right. It's all about standing for the truth, fighting for the right. We need to do that, but it ought to be done in love. You know, I talked this morning about... We get our theology out of balance because we emphasize the love of God to the neglect of the wrath of God. But sometimes we get out of balance in other areas, and one of those areas is that when only one aspect of the Christian life becomes important to us, and we focus on that to the neglect of everything else. I knew a preacher up in Oklahoma that this was back, I guess, in the... Uh, in the 60s sometime, and and the only thing that really mattered to him was prophecy. I mean, the, everything he preached, I don't care where he was, whether it was on the radio or in a conference, that's all he ever preached. Everything was just prophecy. Well, I think prophecy is really important as a part of the Word of God. But just getting it nailed down, you know, to where you're an expert on prophecy. Oh, my. I mean, you know all about the mark of the beast and the two witnesses there and so forth. And you've got that all figured out, although nobody else does. You do, and you know all of that, and you're trying to convey that information to other people. And sometimes we lose sight of the fact that we're supposed to be loving people. Some people are on the right path in a manner of speaking, but they're dragging their feet because they have no zeal. They're pursuing, but they're lagging behind. They they lack the zeal, the excitement, the patience or courage, whatever you want to call it, 
and they're just moving along at a snail's pace. Some of you might remember the year that the theme of our Bible conference was always abounding. And I assigned all of the preachers a different subject, and, and it, it had to do with abounding in this, abounding, you know, whether, whether it had to do with our abounding in our works or abounding in our love, abounding in our faith. But we're to be always abounding. And that's why I keep saying the best definition I know of being backslidden is whenever a believer ceases to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever we stop growing, you might be the the, the best Bible scholar in the church. You know more than anybody else. You might be the most generous person in the church. You give more than anybody else. You might be the best singer in the church. You can sing better than anybody else. And you might, you know, you, you... You excel in all of these other areas, but the minute that you stop growing and your Christian life is stagnated, you're right there where you've always been, you're backslidden. You're backslidden. We ought to be what then? We ought to be abounding in love. So if we're going to follow after Christ, we've got to follow we got to stay in step, right? We can't wander off course. We can't lag behind. And believe me, if we're really following Him, He is going to take us at a pace to where we're always going to be growing in our Christian life. That's what following after love is all about. Love is a choice. And it's an action. It's a choice. It's an action. And I I just pray tonight that as we leave here that every one of us might have a greater desire in our heart, a greater longing for love, and that we'll leave here chasing after charity, just determined that by the grace of God and with the help of God's Spirit, we're going to be a more loving person because so much depends on it. Our willingness and our ability to forgive others and so forth, I, you know, the, the, for the sake of our homes and our marriages and everything else, it, 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 love is the glue that holds us together. It's the, the thing that motivates us and the thing that keeps us going, and we lose that, and, and we're in a lot of trouble. No doubt tonight some of you can think back on your Christian life at some of the difficulties that you faced. And uh, you, you can say that by the grace of God I survived. I'm still here. I'm still going. And it might be at the time you thought, well, I, I just, uh, I, 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 I can't conquer this. It's more than I can bear. And uh, I... I believe with all of my heart those that hurt us the most are those that are closest to us. And I've been hurt a lot more by church members than I ever got hurt in a bar room. Really. Uh, A lot more. I I mean, I, I can't even explain how painful it is to get hurt by those that you love. I... Uh, I've been hurt more on occasions by some of my my own children than I ever have by your children or anybody else's. You, you, You see, and that's the same way with all of us. 
we get hurt by the the most by those that we're closest to. But how do we get over those hurts? How do we survive and how do we go on? Love. That, that's the thing that keeps us together, folks. That's the thing that keeps us going. That's why this was so important. Here was a church that Paul said, you have all of the spiritual gifts. You come behind none of the other churches in these spiritual gifts. Some of them could speak in tongues. Others could interpret what they said so everybody would be edified. They, they could understand it. Others had the, the, the gift of healing. Others had the gift of knowledge. They could tell you things that they, they didn't even know because God would reveal to them. And here they have all of these gifts. And he said, look, you've got all of these gifts. You don't come behind any of the other churches. But the problem was... They were so divided, so carnal, that they could not even function as God would, would have them be able to. And that's what happens in church whenever you take love out. We can embrace the same doctrine. We're still premillennial, fundamental Baptists. We still, you know, uh, we still believe in baptism by immersion. We believe in the security of the believer, and we just go down the list. Look, we can have all of the T's crossed and the I's dotted, and we've got all of that right. But if we don't have love for one another, boy, again, we're spiritually bankrupt. And since love is an action, it's going to show up in numerous ways. It'll show up in the way we treat each other. It'll show up in the way that we treat others even outside the church. Those, those of you that have, uh, Daniel talked about he had gone to the hospital and visited Diana today. That, that's, that's love. Uh, let me say this because some of you don't even know whenever Lyle was living and Daniel would never tell you, none of you have any idea how much time probably money, but how much time and effort Daniel put forth in helping Lyle outside the church I'm talking about. What, what he did was really amazing, and it was an expression of love. Now, I could, go, I, I could talk about a lot of you tonight, so I'm not trying to leave you out. I, I'm just saying that's what love does. It, it reaches out and it cares for people, and that's why as a church, wow, if we fail to follow love, we're not just headed in the wrong direction. We are in grave danger. You ever walk down a dark country road at nighttime where you could not see your hand before your face and you didn't know where you were going? I have. And I mean just in, in, in any step, you know, and you could trip on something or or get hurt, you you don't know where you're at, and and it's a scary thought. I can remember as a boy being in that situation more than one time. Well, that's kind of the way the church is. Whenever the lamp of love goes out, and we're operating in the flesh, after a while we're bumping into one another, running over one another, and somebody always gets hurt. May God help us. To follow after Christ because, well, he never leads us astray. Let's all stand. Father.
how we thank you for the greatness of your love toward us, how we thank you for, uh, for the, the word of God that enlightens our mind and directs our steps. And Lord, I, I just believe with all of my heart that probably every person here tonight has good intentions and that we all want to be filled with your spirit, that we want to follow after love like we should, that we want to live a life that's well-pleasing in your sight. And yet, Lord, we know how frail our flesh is. We know how weak we are. And, Lord, we need you tonight even more than ever. And just pray that you'll be that friend that sticks closer than a brother, that you'll be the, the light that illuminates our path, that you'll be the strength that keeps us going. And so tonight I pray that you'll just speak to each and every one of us and motivate us as only you can to follow after charity, to leave here tonight in pursuit of love with our eyes on Jesus, that others will never make any mistake about it as to where we are headed in our life. And it becomes clear to them that we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we pray in his name, amen. Now, if, if love following Christ would cause you to obey him fully, immediately, obediently, then what is it he might have you do tonight? Now's the time to do it while we sing. 